0: Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 declares the obstacle of salvation. Listen to him. Behold, the Lord Yahweh's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Sin, that's what sends
1: people to hell. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Sometimes the things most obvious are hidden because of our disbelief. That's what Jesus referred to when he mentioned that one key path to belief in Him was childlike faith. Today, Pastor Xavier explains why the people closest to God could not see the gift that was laid on their very doorstep. Let's join him for today's revealing simple truth study of hope and salvation.
0: Romans chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 25 through 36. And the message is entitled, Israel Rejected But Not Forgotten. Look at verse 25. The Apostle Paul revealed the mystery about Israel here. Paul did not want the Gentile Christians to be uninformed about God's plan for Israel. Listen to his words. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant about Of this mystery. Notice the particular truth Paul wanted the Christians to know. The partial blindness of Israel until an appointed time. That blindness in part has happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. The word blindness means to cover with a callus, Being dull of mind and of heart. Kind of like a knife that's lost its cutting edge. The blindness is partial, notice that, in part, not all of Israel's descendants, but those who insist on their own righteousness over the provided righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now notice the blindness is temporal until the fullness of the Gentile come in. This refers to the full number of Gentiles to be saved in the age of grace. This event will simultaneously trigger The rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-15. The Bible teaches that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return for his church and take her to heaven. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10. The Thessalonians turn from idols to serve the living God and wait for him from heaven. That's where he's going to come. He's going to come down in the clouds and we're going to meet him in the air. Jesus mentioned it first, John fourteen, one through three. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many abiding places. If it weren't so I would have told you. And if I go, I go to prepare a place where, where I am, there you may be also. And I will come back to listen to receive you to myself. There's the key. Now notice secondly, verse twenty eight through thirty two. The understanding regarding Israel's temporal rejection. In twenty eight, the Apostle Paul explains the paradox, and it is a paradox. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Paul told Gentile Christians that the Jews are enemies concerning the gospel for the sake of the Gentiles. But not by God's doing, by predestination for them to reject the gospel, but by their own choice of will, hardening their heart against the gospel. Then God honored their disobedience and rebellion and strengthened their heart in that position and the result was they became enemies of God in the gospel. That was used by God to reach to the Gentiles. And then Paul told the Gentile Christians here that the Jews are beloved concerning the election for the sake of the fathers. At the same time, a paradox. Listen to the word. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. The election is of the remnant of the Jews as we've seen. The election of the remnant is not opposed to to the election of the majority of national Israel, to be damned. But their own choosing, rejecting the gospel, makes them to be separated from God. So in other words, God didn't choose just a few and rejected the rest without giving them a chance. Not of the Gentile nor of the Jew. The result being they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Who's the fathers? The patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the initial promise was given to who? Abraham. And you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. In him. Now look at 29. The apostle Paul proclaimed the principle. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Paul declared that the gifts of God are an act of his grace. The word gives charisma is the same word that means without favor. Undeservedness. We get the root word for the word grace. Therefore, no man can bolster or exalt themselves over what God gives or does in a person's life. It's all of grace. Notice Paul declared that the callings of God are based on his sovereignty. The sovereign calling of God, they're complete in themselves. They are just and they are perfect. And they never violate a person's free will. This is always a big question. You're you're the survey. Let's do the survey. You don't need a whole bunch of people. Were you forced to be saved? No. No, I wasn't. You've got your perfect survey. Because you're just like anybody else who gets saved. You don't need to survey a hundred people or a thousand people. If you weren't forced to be saved, that means nobody's forced to be saved. Simple. The sovereign calling of God allows him to make his decrees regarding his purposes. The sovereign callings of God are based on his foreknowledge. Knowledge beforehand. He knows things before they happen. The sovereign callings of God do not force a person to do evil. But merely knows beforehand the evil a person will commit. And at times declare it in a form of prophecy. But God doesn't make a person do the evil. He only knows the evil he's going to do. Notice Paul declared also that the gifts in the calling of God Are not regretted by God. The word irrevocable means without repentance or regret. God doesn't regret that he did and he says and he does what he does and says. Because he can't make mistakes. You and I may make mistakes, but God doesn't make mistakes. The implication being that God is perfect in knowledge and in all decisions. Verse 30, Paul tells the Gentile Christians, that they were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through the disobedience of the Jews. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their, their, the Jews' disobedience. The Gentiles were disobedient when they were worshiping the creature rather than the creator, which is blessed forevermore, as we saw in Romans 1.20 and 25. They were ignoring the evidence of creation and conscience in Romans 2.15 when they were changing the natural use of the woman, men for men, women for women, Romans 1, 26 and 27, now by the Gentiles, they have obtained mercy as a result of the unbelief of the Jews. So, God's mercy was poured on the Gentile. And as 31 goes on, the parallel is also to the Jew at the same time. He's clear to the paradox. Here's the parallel. Look at 31. The Jews have continued to be disobedient, that through the mercy shown to the Gentiles, the Jews also might attain mercy. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy, shown you they also may obtain mercy. The unbelieving Jew became disobedient to the righteous provisions of the Father, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The mercy of God passed to the Gentiles in hope that they might be provoked to salvation That they saw the Gentiles flourishing and enjoying it. The proclamation was to the Jew first and the Gentile, Paul said in Romans 1.16 and 17. The reconciliation Though, works out the Gentile first now and the Jew later. You see? Now look at 32. The Jews and Gentiles have both been pronounced guilty by God in order that they may escape the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. In other words, God excludes no one. Listen to His word. For God has committed them all to disobedience that He might have mercy on all. All Jew, all Gentile who repent. God has committed both Jew and Gentile to disobedience. Notice he says that the word committed there means literally to shut up or to imprison. Notice the goal of God is to save as many Gentiles and Jews. The law accused both Jew and Gentiles we've seen under the wrath of God. Romans 1.18, 3.20, 3.23. All have sinned, nature, and fall short of the glory of God. All are under God's wrath, Jew and Gentile. The nation of Israel rejected Jesus over and over again. He told us that in Romans ten twenty one, all day long he stretched forth his hand. And Paul is talking in the present. Jesus rejected the nation, weeping over Jerusalem. We've seen that in Matthew twenty three, thirty seven through thirty nine. All who are true Israelites, circumcised of the heart, and after the seed of Isaac. And the remnant will be saved. Romans chapter two, Romans chapter eight, nine, ten, eleven—very, very clear. I can't better illustrate this point than with the text that's found in the book of Numbers. Numbers twenty-three, nineteen says the following. Listen carefully. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said? Will he not do it? Or has he spoken? Will he not make it good? The rhetorical questions will only obvious answer. God is not a man that shall lie. Nor to send him to repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Yes. He can't lie. Or has he spoken? Will he not make it good? Yes. What God has declared, you may not like. Tough. How God is doing things may not make sense to you. It's okay. You're not God. You're not responsible for it. He knows what he's doing. And he makes no mistakes. Having said all this, there's only one way that the Apostle Paul can finish. Look at thirty three through thirty six. The celebration regarding Israel's temporal rejection. In thirty three, the Apostle Paul is overwhelmed over the ability and plan of God to save both Jew and Gentile. In effect, God's Paul is saying that God is incomparable. God cannot be compared to any person. Notice Paul breaks out in this spontaneous and exuberant exaltation of God over the vastness of His natural and personal resources of knowledge and wisdom. All the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. The inability to measure His resources is described by the phrase, All the depths. The word has the idea of extreme and impressiveness without equal. The phrase implies the inability to reach its limits, inexhaustible, all the depths. He's saying this as a response to all that he said about salvation of the Jew and Gentile and the plan and how to do it. The inability to measure regards the value of his resources. Notice described by the phrase of the richest. Simply means wealth, his abundance, and implies the inability to know its amount. Notice the immeasurable and priceless resource of God regards the wisdom and knowledge of God. You and I regard things like jewelry, gold, silver, houses, cars. God has wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> How different we are, huh? So different notice Paul continues in his exaltation of God over the inability to trace out God's judgments and His ways. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. The judgments of God are His discussions. Decrees and accomplishments, His purposes. Which at times seem to be unjust to you and myself. Well, I don't know why God did this. Well, you know, good thing He didn't talk to and ask you counsel. The word judgment are decisions, sentences, and punishments. It's judgments. Unsearchable means incapable of being comprehended to their full end. Now there's so much that we do understand, and there's so little that we don't understand the scriptures that we study, and yet we're bothered about what we don't understand. Why don't we just be amazed that we do understand so many things very clearly? Then he says the ways of God seem to be a bit severe at times and often offensive to man. But they're always holy and righteous. Kind of like Isaiah fifty-five eleven. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're harder than the heavens. The word ways there means his course of conduct, his manner of thinking and deciding. But They don't make sense to us at times. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way? So we're just to follow him, obey him. I don't obey Him because I understand Him completely. I obey Him by faith and obedience and let my understanding catch up. I'm the servant. The ways of God are past finding out. The same Greek word as unsearchable. Incapable of being comprehended to their full end. Then in 34, notice the Apostle Paul was so impressed over the ability... And the plan of God to save both Jew and Gentile alone. That um, he challenged anyone to try to say or think otherwise. In effect saying God was unaided by anyone. Listen to his words. For who has known the mind of the Lord Yahweh or who has become his counselor? He's quoting Isaiah 40 verse 13. And declares his first rhetorical question. For who has known the mind of the Lord? No one. God is infinite, eternal, and unknowable in his total person. Man is finite, limited, and ignorant about what he knows best. What a contrast. Then Paul declares his second rhetorical question. For who has become God's counselor? Once again, only one answer. No one. God is omniscient, all-knowing. Man's wisdom today is tomorrow's stupidity. On TV, they publish, well, you take this pill, do this and that, and, that. and by the way, it may cost you to do this. You bleed through, through your ears and your, your toes may fall off. And you might even want to commit suicide. But hey, what the heck? Why would I want to take it? Amazing to me, those commercials. Notice in 35. The Apostle Paul was so convinced over the ability and plan of God to save both Jew and Gentile alone. That Paul said, God is indebted to no one. He's indebted to no one. Listen to his words. Or who has first given to him and they shall be prepaid to him? Question. Paul again gives another rhetorical question. Who has first given to him? And the meaning and implication is, who has first been the initiator to give God something? No one. That's the answer. God is always the initiator. We are the responders. Then Paul asked, and it shall be repaid him? It's a question, not a statement. The meaning being, whoever has would have certainly been repaid. But that has never been the case. He has never owed one person. And so the Apostle Paul, in verse 36, being so overwhelmed over the ability and plan of God to save both Jew and Gentile, concluded by saying that God is eternal, self-existing, and self-determinant, depending on no one. Listen to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. He's just blown away. Notice God is the source of everything by the phrase of him. Literally, out from him. The word ek. He's the source. Out from him. Then God is the controller of everything by the phrase through him, meaning he's the channel. Then, God is the goal of everything, by the phrase, to him, literally, for him are all things. That's not selfishness, it is when you and I are concerned, but God is perfect, so what he creates, he creates for himself, for his glory. It has nothing to do with selfishness. And then he says that God is the one who deserves all glory forever. What else can you say? The reason being that God the Father made possible the provisions for the justification of sinners in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He's looking back, Romans chapter 1 to 4. God did that, justification, through His Son. God the Father, through the justification of His Son, has made possible our sanctification. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. God the Father has revealed His wisdom by the plan to save Jew and Gentile. By grace, apart from the law. Romans 9, 10, and 11. So what can Paul say? To him be all the glory. <laughs> Paul has been true to his theme, his proposition of chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith, according to Habakkuk 2, four. He told us what he was going to say. He has told us that he told us what he said he was going to say. He's a good preacher. He holds himself responsible. God declared through Isaiah. Isaiah 45, Look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other. Only God can save you. By your own decision. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 declares the obstacle of salvation. Listen to him. Behold, the Lord Yahweh's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin. That's what sends people to hell. The refusal to repent. And their rebellion to live in sin. Wow. Jesus put it this way. John 6.37. All that the Father gives to me. Will come to me. And the one who comes to me. I will by no means cast out. Both sides. All the Father gives. And all that come to him. Paul the Apostle. As he's writing to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians one, eighteen through 18-21 puts it this way. For the message of the cross is foolish to those who perish. In. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Being saved, a process. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring the nothing to the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer p- of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of the message, not the preaching of foolishness. God has chosen the proclamation of the gospel and He saves people. He convicts them. He transforms their life. What a miracle. So loving. Notice the order that Paul takes the Roman Christians through from ignorance to understanding, from understanding to celebration. Is not this the order of the gospel to both Jew and Gentile? Ignorance to understanding to celebration? Absolutely. There is to be celebration regarding Israel's temporal rejection. And so, Israel's temporal rejection is marked by these three things. The ignorance regarding Israel's temporal rejection. And there's much today. The understanding regarding Israel's temporal rejection. All you've got to do is open your Bible. And the celebration regarding Israel's temporal rejection. Because it's still future. God is so faithful. What can we say to these things except what Paul says? Oh, the depths of the wisdom enriches the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways past finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? Who has given to Him and now He has to be repaid?
1: No one. Wow. Pastor Xavier, and illustrating God's gift to His people on today's Simple Truths. And if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig deeper, or perhaps a copy to pass on to a friend, just ask for the title, Israel, Rejected But Not Forgotten. Request a CD for just $4. And this will include what we heard the last few we together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Israel, Rejected But Not Forgotten. Or simply mention today's date. Get your copy by writing...